Nice. Excellent job. Excellent. Very composed or arranged, most of those pieces. If you'd like to get a copy, there's actually some of those available out on the uh, greeters table that's out there in the narthex. They're in a little blue folder. Welcome to Dillon Community Church. Merry Christmas. Hey, not too bad, not too bad. There's a lot of things going on around here. Can you believe this snow? Is that That's worth a good clap. I agree. It's awesome. Super fun that it's uh, snowing, and it's just perfect, and it's Christmas. And But I will tell you right now, if you go out to your car and it's stuck, you're on your own. Okay, that's all I can tell you. Now, somebody probably would help you, but it's a lot of fun to come in here. Hopefully, you found a parking place. Thank you for coming. Hopefully you've got your family with you and you're going to have a great time. Just a couple of things to know what's going on here over the next several minutes. First of all, if you've got one of these crazy things, you need to silence it so we don't have to listen to your Beyonce ringtone coming through here in a few minutes. So go ahead and silence that. That'll help us all. Also, just a couple of other things. We have a... Zach, come on up here, bud. want to just do this first. So we get this out of the way. At the end of the service, these will be passed around, one to everybody. And I just want to give you some instructions, because these are potentially very dangerous. What happens is that we start a light right from up here at this candelabra, at the Advent candle, because it's that time of year. And now, in anticipation, we actually get to all celebrate the Christ candle, and that's what we're going to do. But just a couple of pieces of of, uh, how to use here on this thing. If you start with the cup down like this, the cup slides up and down the candle. Start with the cup down. Now, if, if this was on fire, you hold yours straight up in the air like this. Don't tip it. If you do, that candle wax goes places, okay? Hold yours straight up, then the other person bring theirs in and lights from the side. Okay, does that make sense? That's how we're going to do. Then you bring yours and you pass the light on to the person next to you the same way. When you're done and you're lit and it's through, then you can slide your candle up the cover and it looks great and it keeps things from getting blown out. When we're at the very end, we'll gather all these. You'll get a bunch of these and then you can take them out. There will be baskets out there. At the very end, we'll blow them out together. You just pull your cup down, one, two, three, blow. But whatever you do, don't do this. Don't pull this thing in here. Whatever you do, don't blow it all on the person in front of you. Hot wax, okay? But those things can happen. This just makes it fun. It is beautiful. It is totally worth it, but just a little caution. That, that'll be great. Zach, come on up here, bud. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to find a couple of special people today because we have these. Anybody know what this is? This is a Whammo snowball maker. You can give these to, to Dan Burnett right here. Dan, here you go. There's one. People on either side of the room right here, if you are a family with children, I'm going to start on this side of the room right here. Family with children, I want to know the, the family that came here from the hottest place. Okay? Who's here from the hottest? Where are you guys from? San Antonio. Take them, take it right over there. These guys, that's right, no doubt. That's right. Give them an applause. San Antonio, you definitely win. That's just a little help because there's plenty of snow. We just want you to enjoy it. How about this side of the room right over here? Who's uh, from the hottest place? Family with kids from the hottest place? Oklahoma, right there. Give it to them. We'll we'll give it to you. That's great. All right. Welcome, guys. It's a lot of fun to uh, acknowledge that the snow is out there and something for us to have fun with. And hopefully you can have a ball with those and throw snow at each other. Whatever you do, don't throw at Grandma. Right? Leave Grandma alone. No, No snowballs at Grandma. One other thing just for the very end of the service that we'll want you to be able to fill out. 
you've got one of these inside your worship folder. There's some information in the worship folder you may find interesting. That's some body life info around here that is helpful. It also may be good for you to know, hey, hey, here's what goes on around that church. We'd also like to know a little bit about you. We will definitely not sell your information to anybody. We will not send you a bunch of uh, things for you to fill out and and a whole bunch of things that we want to contact you endlessly. But if you would like to be on a list of people to be included to find out some information from us, please fill that out. You could send it through in a little while. The ushers will be passing around some bags for an offertory. You could put it in there, or you could take it out on the way out, drop it off, give it to an usher. Uh, You could leave it at the soundboard. You can hand it to somebody who's got a name tag on, and then we can have that information just so we can keep in contact with you if you would like to. But we will let you out of the room if you don't fill one out. Okay, does that help? All right, singers, come on up here. Where are you? I've got a few people that are going to help us here. And uh, we got to have some fun. So if you've got some keys in your pocket, uh, if you got keys, get them out right now. Get your keys out. I will give you the permission for that. Because we're going to have a little bit of fun with jingle bells. All right, let's practice. Shaking your keys, that's the jingle bells. Hey, that's not too bad. Now, if you happen to have this app on your phone, it's a crack the whip sound. You're welcome to use your crack the whip sound if you have it, and it'll be a lot of fun. Okay, shaking the keys. Here we go. All right. Good, Barry. Here we go. Here we go, dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Cause oh, oh, oh. oh, the bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to keep them singing. Gotta hear those bells. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bell, jingle, jingle bell, bell, jingle, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. All right, keep shaking them because we go. Here we go. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is listening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird, here to stay is the new bird. He sings a love song as we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. In the meadow we can build a snowman. And pretend that he is Parson Bob. He'll say, are married? We'll say, no, man. But you can do the job when you're in town. Later on, we'll perspire as we dream by the fire. To face unafraid plans that we made. Walking in a winter one, walking in a winter, walking in a winter wonderland. All right, turn to your neighbor, tell them how great of a job they did. Yeah, you tell that neighbor how great of a job they did. You guys did a great job, very good. That's a lot of fun. We do want to have fun, but I'll tell you, if you came to church tonight, 
the chances are you realize that, yes, it's fun to have snow. Yes, it's fun to have sleigh bells. But there's significance to what we're celebrating. These candles are in anticipation of the arrival of Christ, God in flesh. God reaching out to us, tugging back on our coattails, if you will. There's a beautiful hymn or a poem that was written by James Allen called One Solitary Life. It says, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office, went to college, visited a big city, or traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He died at 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a counterfeit trial and was crucified on a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he owned on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, yet today, Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Why don't we stand together and sing these great Christmas carols in honor of the one who came in Advent. Joy to the world. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains.
Come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come let us adore Before you sit down, turn to someone next to you, wish them a Merry Christmas, introduce yourself, say hello.
All right, beautiful. That's enough being nice to each other. You people over here, you're way too nice to each other. That's, that's enough. Thank you. What a great time. And uh, ushers, if you would come, please, throughout the building. We want to give you this opportunity. It's a chance. Many of us choose to worship God in the way where we give something. Almost representative, remembering the three wise men, the magi who came. And maybe echoing that, you would like to give a gift tonight. If you'd like to, this is an opportunity for you. You may already have plenty of plans, and we do understand that. But here's a chance, and as we gather this offering, we're going to hear from the ensemble again tonight.
really. Hail. Okay. Hail, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. Mary, you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. To him will the Lord give the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Ah, uh, but sir, I think this cannot be, for I am a virgin. I have never known a man. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it happen to me according to your word. Mary, go see for yourself. Nothing will be impossible with God. Visit your cousin Elizabeth, who is very old. She, who has conceived a son, this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. Traveling alone? Hail, Elizabeth. Oh, 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 Mary, blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Yes, what a gift has been given unto me that I should have the mother of my Lord come to me. You know about me? Oh, Mary, I know. I know because when you... When you greeted me, the, the babe within my own womb leaped for joy. And that was a prophecy. And blessed are you that you have believed the word that the Lord gave unto you, that it should be fulfilled. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations shall call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things, for, great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has done great things with his arms. He has scattered those who have proud inner thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, 
but turn the, the rich away empty. He has reminded Israel to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he promised. evening and Merry Christmas to all of you and I think we should give them a hand even though it's a somber moment <laughs> welcome to all of you too in the overflow room overflow room back there can we hear a little noise over there let us know that you're here there they are okay good <laughs> those are the uh, those are the Marines over there all right you know, of all the cards that I've seen this Christmas, my friend Bill Hybels, who's pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in, in Illinois, told me about a couple that he had gotten. One of them uh, caught my attention. The other one was rather standard, but I thought it was a, a great one. The first one he, was, he got was on the inside of the card. It had a phrase that said, Christmas is love tugging you back to God with a powerful glass clasp of a tiny hand reaching out to you from a bed of straw. Let me read that again. Christmas is love tugging you back to God with a powerful clasp of a tiny little hand reaching out from a bed of straw. The other one was a little more plain, just on a white card. Had a verse from the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah, which predicted the birth of Christ, and it said, And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, I think Christmas is one season of the year when everyone experiences a heightened awareness of the spiritual dimension of life. It's like our whole world gives itself permission to consider the birth and the life of Jesus and the implications of His life on our world and our individual lives. You know, the claim of the prophet Isaiah with respect to Jesus was a very bold one. He said, here's what Jesus Christ is going to be like. Number one, he's going to be referred to throughout the whole of history as a wonderful counselor. My wife is a therapist. My daughter's a therapist. I get analyzed twice a day. <laughs> Whatever new diagnosis is out there, Dad has it. But you know, when he talks about being the wonderful counselor... His wisdom and His words and His teaching are going to be the kind of stuff you can build your life on. His wisdom will work if you trust it. It doesn't take much reflecting to reach the conclusion that much of the counsel or the wisdom that our world has been counting on and living by is proving to be less than wonderful wisdom. In just the last five years, we've seen some long, deeply held positions of conventional wisdom literally collapse under their own weight. The wisdom just doesn't work. I travel and I have an opportunity to plant many international English-speaking churches around the world. Just recently, we've just come back from the Slavic and Nordic-Baltic nations. 
The former Soviet Union and much of Eastern Europe concluded that communism and political repression was just not good wisdom. It was not wise counsel, and it didn't work. Not more than a decade ago in Bosnia, some 200 lives concluded that ethnic violence and just slaughter of people who are not like yourself doesn't work. We're awakening finally in our country to the realization that racial hostility, sexual promiscuity, and political bickering, the ignoring of the poor, and the endless material achievement and forsaking of our young, it isn't working. It's poor counseling, and it's wrecking human lives. Even though I've said all this, I still think that today is a wonderful time to be alive. Right now in 2012. Because there's a huge openness to a better kind of wisdom to build our life on. I think we're in a transition period worldwide. It seems like everyone is moving away from what they're finding out has not worked and will and will not work. And we're moving towards something. We're moving backwards towards that love tug from God with the clasp of a tiny little hand reaching out from a bed of straw. I think people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ through the process of elimination. Nothing else is working. The prophet Isaiah said, Jesus will be called the Wonderful Counselor because His wisdom, His teaching is true and will work for individual lives and for society and for the world. About two decades ago, there was a professor at Princeton University who literally shook the foundations of academia when he announced that the only hope, in his opinion, for a turnaround in our crime-ridden culture, and, and more importantly in this land, is a massive recommitment to a personal spiritual development. He ended his very controversial argument by saying, quote, We ought to be building churches, not more jails. Or we will reap the whirlwind of our own moral bankruptcy. Close quote. Lots of people are coming to this conclusion. It's time to respond to the loving tug that's turning us back to God. I don't know what your religious bias is here tonight, but the judgments are coming in these days. And biblical Christianity is working. It changes people's hearts for the better. It ennobles their aspirations. It builds their character. It restrains them from temptation from evil. It reduces hatred. It produces love. It generates hope in this life and hope for eternity. And the world is fresh out of believable, workable alternatives. Jesus would be called the Wonderful Counselor. You know, at Christmas, we're all tugged back to God just a touch. We're all challenged to reconsider what counsel, what wisdom we're building our lives on who we're following, what we're banking on. Maybe I'll just ask you tonight in this Christmas season, whose counsel are you following tonight? Whose paths are you on? Is it working? And will it work beyond the grave? Christmas is love tugging you back to God with the powerful clasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. But the prophet said a second thing. He said not only would he be called Wonderful Counselor, but he'd be called a Mighty God. I love this one. This is a title that created conflict from Jesus from the day of his birth in the manger. People in that day and people still today say, come on, babies aren't born to virgins. God doesn't put on human skin. And cosmic kings don't lie in feeding troughs. 
But as Jesus grew up and began His teaching ministry, the conflict about His deity just deepened because He didn't just claim to be the Messiah. He proved that He was. Scripture and secular historians agree together. No human being had ever taught with wisdom and the authority of Jesus Christ. No human being ever demonstrated the personal integrity, the moral uprightness, or the compassion for people that Jesus did. No regular human being before or since has demonstrated the power to heal the sick, to make the lame to walk or the blind to see. And to top it off, no regular human being before or since proved his claim to deity by being resurrected from the dead and appearing widely to believers and non-believers alike, and then ascending to the Father. Normal human beings don't just ever conquer the grave. USA Today will report in just one week, if not just a few days, and always prints the passings of famous people every year. The rich and famous, the movie stars, the political leaders, the business leaders, and the sports celebrities who died in 2012. You need to know, my friends, that the death rate is still hovering at 100%. We all die, but human beings don't resurrect themselves and come back to, to life. Google says that 6,100 plus people a day die in the United States. 2.2 million will die by the end of this year and by 2013. Some of us will not be here probably next year. More amazing still is that the Bible teaches that the same power that brought Jesus back to life is available to Christ's followers when they come to the end of their life. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be enabled by the power of Jesus Christ to go beyond the grave into an eternity with God in heaven forever because Jesus was God. John Piper put it this way, It is about the greatness of God, not the significance of man. God made man small and the universe big to say something about Himself. Jesus paved the way for resurrection to life eternal for those of us who had put our faith and trust in Him. The truth of the matter is, this may be, as I said before, the last Christmas for some of us. We don't know who, but some of us may not be congregating in this church or in your church, wherever you're from. We'll already be in the next life. The question is, where? The Bible says that you can make that choice now that determines your eternal whereabouts if you follow Christ who conquered the grave. Not only a wonderful counselor, but a mighty God. And then he said, the prophet said, not only those two, but an everlasting father. Read any national magazine or newspaper these days, try to get through it, and I dare you to try, without finding an article about the importance of families. If you find one, bring one. I'd like to see it, that they actually wrote it. The need for moms and dads who make commitments to each other to keep them. I'd like to find articles for the need for parents to love and come through for their kids. The need for children to respect and cooperate with their parents. This is becoming very essential and important for all of us. In a response not long ago to Charles Barkley, NBA, former NBA player and now sports announcer, who said he didn't think role models were important, it said this, quote, 
It is unlikely that any child will ever reach adulthood healthy and whole unless some older person in his or her life demonstrates irrational and consistent love toward them. But not very many people get that, including Charles. The story is told about a tormented young lady whose life was broken in so many ways. There were many who seriously doubted that she could get some of those broken parts fixed. Finally, one day, a counselor talked with her and asked her about her relationship with her father. And she started sobbing, and she told that her father had abandoned their home early in life, and their longing as a little girl for a dad grew so intense that when other dads in the neighborhood were mowing their lawn, she would grab her rag doll and run out and walk next to the dad back and forth while he was mowing the grass. She said she felt hopeful every time she heard a lawnmower start up because it meant she could feel like a daughter just for a little while while she was walking back and forth with the dad as he mowed that lawn. Folks, that image of that little girl wandering around the neighborhood looking for dads to walk next to while they were mowing their lawn is a gripping scene. And the Bible says, God is our everlasting Father. The Bible says, though, that every one of us is born with a deep yearning for a dad. A father who is unconditional and consistent in his love and can meet an inner need for care and protection. It's the kind of love that even earthly fathers can't give. The Bible says the truth about you and the truth about me is we need a Father who gives us perfect love. We need a Father who gives us perfect wisdom. We need a Father with a perfect tenderness. A Father who is not limited by schedules, by resources, or by geography. We need a Father who's with us all the time in this life and on into eternity. We need a Emmanuel Father, God with us. The comparison of your children to you, Dad, has never been a comparison. It's always been a contrast in Scripture. And I thank God for all the earthly fathers who love their kids and earthly mothers who pour their attention into their children. But the Bible says that we're in need of an everlasting Father who goes beyond what any human parent could even provide. And at Christmas, there's a love tugging us back to a father love with the powerful clasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. I have the distinct belief that there are some of you in this place that need that kind of father love in your life almost as desperately as you need to breathe tonight. And I want to tell you, it's available. It's being offered to you this Christmas as a gift. A gift of grace if you'll receive it. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And finally, He shall be called the Prince of Peace. Peace is not a terribly complicated concept. Peace is simply known on an international basis, interpersonal, or internal harmony. It's just getting along globally, neighborly, internally. But without God in the equation, we have a heck of a time gaining a sense of peace in this world, don't we? 
Dissonance just rules the day. Do you know in the last 110 years, over 80 million people have died on battlefields. Tonight, thousands of troops are still stationed in the Middle East to stand between people who have not experienced peace for many generations and will continue to slaughter one another unless somebody stands in the gap. Why is it the nations can't get it right? Why is it that the world cannot seem to establish or sustain peace? Why is it that marriages and families and business partnerships and friendships spend inordinate amounts of time in interpersonal conflict and trying to recover things from failure? Why is it that peace eludes even the privacy of our hearts? Why is it that many of us feel a low-grade restlessness most of the time or a low-grade tension or a sense of conflictedness within ourselves? Why is it that the conflict deadeners in the form of pills and drugs and other escape endeavors to set records every single year? The Bible would answer those questions by saying that an outside power is absolutely necessary. Humankind cannot do it by themselves to turn dissonance into harmony. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is a single reconciling age in the universe. In fact, the Bible teaches that when you put your hand into the one reaching out to you from a bed of straw and from a bloodstained cross, when you put your hand back in His hand, you're reconciled back to God in a miraculous and eternal way. Beyond that, He puts within your spirit the spirit of reconciliation, the spirit that treasures peace, and the spirit that gives you the ability to build bridges instead of walls. The Spirit that gives you the ability to engage in loving relationships and not blow up the ones you're in. Some dissonance weary people among us tonight might just be weary enough to say, you know what, Dr. G, I am tired of fighting God. I want to stop pushing away that tug I feel tonight. I want to raise the white flag of surrender and say, God, can you give me peace? And can you reign, let that peace reign in my heart? I want to be reconciled to you through Christ. I want to have the spirit of reconciliation at work in my heart so that I can be engaged in loving, bridge-building relationships now and forever. No wonder the angels on the first Christmas referred to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. I can remember growing up in a pastoral home. At age 11, my dad was dying, we thought. And a little 11-year-old kid like myself, I wanted to see my dad in heaven. I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus in my life, but it really wasn't a prayer of salvation. It was, I was scared I wasn't going to see my dad. But it was at 22 at a conference center in Southern California that I knew that I was really, tra- that I needed to transfer the trust in myself to the transfer of the trust of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I did that that night. My life had taken on all kinds of turns and curves and different detours, and there was anything but peace inside my life. And I remember kneeling down outside the auditorium after the meeting was over. Near that conference center was a wonderful swimming pool in Cabana, and I knew that nobody was there, and so I kind of snuck down into that area, knelt beside one of the Cabana chairs and said, Lord Jesus, if you are who you say you are, if you really are the Son of God and the Savior of mankind, and you are the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace then come into my heart. And I remember that day as if it was yesterday. And all I could remember saying is, I love the peace that I now have.
It's available. It's available to you as a gift. It's the testimony of everyone who has trusted Christ. Peace. I'll say it one more time. Love is tugging you back to God with the powerful clasp of a tiny hand reaching out from a bed of straw. But you've got to reach back and take that hand. Ben Stein, Jewish commentator, put it this way. People want peace without the prince. And i got to tell you, that's a heck of a statement coming from my friend who's a Jew. Christ of the universe has to become your personal Savior. The truths about Christ have to be personalized. You need to just reach out in faith and say, I need that. I aspire to that. I want that. When you do, Jesus will become exactly what the prophet promised he would. He'd become the giver of counsel you can build your life on. He'll become the source of power that will enable you. He'll overcome the trials of this life and overcome the grave so you can go on to the next. And He'll become your loving Father and He will give you peace. I hope that's your opportunity tonight. I want to give it to you. I know that some of you are still getting over the fact that you're in church tonight. Some of you are sitting right here in tonight and you're in the front end of any spiritual development cycle there is. In fact, you're just revisiting mom and dad and they insisted on dragging you to church tonight. If someone would have told you six months ago that you were going to be in church this Christmas, you'd have laughed. But your life took a turn. And you're here tonight for some reason. And maybe you felt a little tug tonight. That little hand reaching out. I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and agree with it and cooperate with it. And say, oh God, let me take one step at a time. Some of you used to be close to God and you fell away. Something happened in your life that disillusioned you, disappointed you, and it caused you to drift away. But you're back here tonight. And you're saying in your heart, I'm so glad to be back tonight. Let's get this thing right. And I think this is the direction I want to go. I think this is the counsel I want to build my life on. I think this is the Heavenly Father that I need. Some of you have walked with Christ for a long time now, and you're just so filled up tonight that it's powerful. You're filled up with worship and thanksgiving as we sing the song of Silent Night in just a few more minutes, no matter where you are in that spiritual pathway. I urge you to respond sincerely to the, to the God who's tugging at you and loves you so. You don't have to keep fighting Him. You don't have to keep pushing Him away. Just turn around, open your heart, take a step of trust and reach out to the hand that's already reaching out to you. You'd be amazed at what you find on the other end of that hand that's holding on right now. Would you bow with me in prayer? Guys, would you hold up the candles for a moment? As we take this time of prayer, I wonder if it would be wise to say that maybe I could offer a prayer that I prayed that day back when I was 22. And the prayer goes something like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to receive you into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me into the person you want me to be. And tonight, I want to start afresh. And maybe you already know Christ, and that prayer does not fit you, but this one might. Lord Jesus, I recommit now my life. I thank you for the peace and the 
counsel and the mightiness of your hand in my life. Let me not avoid the tug at all. And cause me, Lord, to set about in, in my life now to follow you in a more closely and more deeply way. Lord, as we conclude our service tonight, I, I ask you that you would simply cause us at this moment of our lives and refresh our lives in, in many ways and remind us in the singing of this silent night that this was a very holy night, that it was calm, and you came into a world that was politically full of unrest, where people were in total dissonance, And yet you brought the gifts of peace and eternal life. And may we thank you for that. And may that cause, may be the cause around our tables that we'll be so sumptuously eating at. And that may it be the part of the conversation throughout this night and into tomorrow of what you've done for us. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. The men are coming out among you right now and they're going to pass out some candles, and please take one. Mark instructed you what to do with that. Mark, I'm going to ask you to come on up here with me. And as we do that, we're going to, we're going to wait till everybody gets the candles, and then uh, Mark and I are going to come down the middle row, and we're going to light the, the candle on the, on the person who's sitting at the aisle, and then would you pass it forward all this way, all the way to the end, okay? And then as we're passing out that light... The uh, band will start the music of Silent Night, okay? And then we'll wait for just a little bit. It won't take long for the, the, the sanctuary to light up here a little bit. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to sing Silent Night together, all right? Now, one last thing before we get too far down the line here. I just want to say that when you had that little card passed out to you that Mark raised to, to you and said you could put that in the offering basket or you could drop it in the back later... I wanted to make a promise to you tonight that maybe I sometimes normally don't do. If you prayed that prayer with me tonight and you asked Christ to come into your life, can I ask you to do something really bold? Would you take that little card and after signing it, would you put a little X by your name or a little check by your name? And and I won't post you as the 500 most spiritual people in Dillon, okay? That's not the, the issue. But I'd like to take those cards with the checks on it, and I'd like to get you lit- some literature one time only, one time only, on this new adventure of knowing Christ. If you'll do that for me and drop that in the baskets in the back, we'd like to do that. All right. Band, would you give us a little traveling music with Silent Night? We're going to go light this candles, and then would you just wait for us to get to your row, and then we pass it on as we come, all right?
as you uh, as you sing tonight, if you're with your family, lean into each other a little bit. There you go. Why don't you stand up and let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's let's sing together, shall we? Sing. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tonight and uh, be very safe as you drive home tonight, all right? And uh, again, one more thing. If you did, if there's any way we can help you at all in this new adventure of knowing Christ, we don't hesitate to ask. And again, if you drop that card off as you go as well. It's so good to see so many people here. By the way, we're open every Sunday and we'd love to have you here. So do come back if you can. We'd love to have you here. God bless you. Let's pray together and be dismissed, shall we? Now receive the benediction of our Lord Jesus Christ. May His countenance shine upon you. May He lift you up and hold you. May He protect you. May He guide you. May He fill you with His everlasting love. And on that day, when He comes again, may He find you in His company forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you and a Merry Christmas. Amen. Yeah. Merry. So leave the cup up. Just blow down inside. Three, two, one. (laughs) That's it. You can drop these off at the baskets or give them to the folks in the back. Have a blessed Christmas.
Merry Christmas.